Hello. Welcome to <clears throat> Welcome to Currency, which sometimes I refer to as the Currency Podcast, just to undermine my own mission and goals. Uh, I guess um, it's it's not good to engage in self sabotage, but if you're engaging in it, you probably don't know that you are, or maybe you do slightly. It's just that um, the way that the way that things appear, like uh, like maybe you would be ignorant of the way that things appear, would uh, cause you to go more into something like self sabotage. Uh, because you're if you're sabotaging yourself, like you could you could really you could really sabotage yourself in any way, shape, or form, just by being lazy. You're like sabotaging yourself. Let me, as is tradition, adjust the sensitivity on this microphone because I'm paranoid about being too loud or too quiet. But it's probably like there's a lot of volumes I could set it at that I wouldn't really have to worry. It's probably too loud as it stands now, but, I mean, you can never be too loud because the whole point is that people hear it. So um, you know, I should really just crank it all the way up. And, like, as long as you're, as long as you're being lazy, then you're engaging in self-sabotage, like not doing the fullest that you could do. Like if you're not working out and that makes you more healthy, if you're not drinking water and you know that you should and you're not, are you just engaging in self-sabotage? Like self-sabotage, uh, that happens at all, all levels for everything. If you're not doing enough, then, I mean, it just depends on what you could be doing, but couldn't you be doing anything? Couldn't you be doing all of it? I, it depends on if you're willing to go so far as to believe that, but... Um, and what I'm saying is the idea that you create your own life, you create your own narratives. So like you could, you create all of it or that people are the creators. So therefore they're actually just, it's in their hand to create everything, but they don't, they don't act on it because they don't believe that they have the ability to do that or they're, uh, they're own ability to create things or but i mean it's an authority authority driven world that tells you that you're not supposed to engage in what you don't know because you don't know what science knows and so, so don't engage in it you have to live in the dark for a thing those are those belong to the proper authorities and that kind of thing um like it's a world that doesn't as long as it's authoritarian then that means it doesn't as much engage in what it doesn't know what it doesn't understand, like what it doesn't see. But it's interesting that we demonize chemicals so much. Uh, by that I mean, <clears throat> most of the, mostly all of the press about chemicals is negative. Like that's the thing that you got to watch out for. They're contaminating the drinking supply or whatever. It's like, oh, there's chemicals that are adding up in the ozone, and that's causing global warming. Like. We blame chemicals on a lot of things. Like it's the root cause of global warming. There's too many chemicals as a result of carbon emissions. Because what you're talking about there is carbon and oxygen and that kind of thing. Like we're breathing in chemicals all the time. Like is that really something to demonize? Carbon and oxygen? Is that something to worry about? I don't, I don't know. Like it's kind of like chemicals is what everything is made out of and is what is everywhere all the time so 
like it's not i don't know that that's really something to get worked up about because there's nothing you could really do we are always breathing in chemicals aren't we made of chemicals that chemicals is a thing that we're like oh my god i don't want to be contaminated like think about what you're breathing in it's just like a relationship to like like negatively looking at chemicals assessing them negatively is just a relationship to paranoia and fear over things that you can't see or like it's like uh, uh, just acting on like acting on beliefs that cause you to be afraid of what you don't know. Like, um, like don't, uh, I mean, you can't even talk about chemicals because you're not a scientist, probably. <laughs> it's like, well, you can't talk about that. But it's like, uh, you should really be considering what you're breathing in or something like that. Like, don't take breathing for granted. Something as simple as that is also something you should be thinking about and be afraid of. Or, or like, uh, don't think that there's things that there that you're not allowed to think about. Because then you start going down that road, you have a smile on your face, you're just strolling through life happy. You start thinking there's things that you're not allowed to, that you, that you can ignore analyzing. Like what you're breathing in, you should think about that, and you should overthink it because chemical, like the the chemicals is everywhere, and that's what you're always breathing in, but they are always they're negative. They're like why why would there not be positive press? We're made of chemicals. You're always like there's nothing you can do about it. It's carbon and oxygen and all that shit. Um, I don't get why you why you need to be afraid of it. Besides an adherence to fear for the sake of fear itself um but like maybe i shouldn't spread misinformation about chemicals that they're positive or something it's like the scientists are gonna get on me it's funny that people would be like you can't talk about that because you're not a scientist when when most of those people are not scientists who think they can speak on the behalf of scientists that's kind of silly somebody who's telling you to not act like a scientist when they're saying like oh what you have the like but you know what I'm talking about, potentially. Um, uh, but but you you clearly clearly you definitely know what I mean. Uh, but I don't know that that's true. I wonder what if you hear enough of my episodes, you might just come to the conclusion that I'm contradictory or something. Like um, like I offer different perspectives, but then but that's a result of. Uh, you don't know if somebody who's being really contradictory is actually just really complex, and so then when they articulate differences in what their perspective is, that just sounds too com. Like if if somebody exists at a higher level of complexity than most other people, then uh, what you will in determining what that person is doing, they would probably appear as a contradiction in a lot of ways because, I mean, like some something that's more complex is like more encrypting. So I, I am telling you, hey, I'm, I'm more complex than, I'm more complex than you're giving me credit for. And so that's why I might appear as a contradiction, not because I'm wrong ever, but it's like, I, I, I'm, I am wrong, uh, routinely, like I'm right routinely, I'm wrong routinely. And, uh, there's like, there's people, it's kind of like in today's day and age, you can be wrong a lot, as long as you're just confident about what you're wrong in and like keep just steamroll past it and keep moving because it's a new day. So it's like, you're not, you're not going to, you're only going to be felled if you let a previous day's lies take you under or like you allow that you, you allow, um, to give credit to that. Like 
that you'd give credit to a group of people that were trying to say that you're a liar because of things you like you could really just be wrong all the time and as long as you're saying something confidently today then you're probably fine just so you know like it's not really um there's so much information out there like to uh to either corroborate or contradict what somebody is saying that it's really up to every person now to decide on their own like if you are led by a sociopath that's totally on you because you should there's enough data that you would be able to balance like compare and contrast what people are saying like it's just it's stupid to say that be afraid of um i mean it's like obviously you should be afraid of whatever i'm saying that you should listen to me at all costs because i'm not wrong or because i can sit, tell you that i'm wrong or i would see enough about people that are wrong that you should listen to me the most because i know the most about wrong or something like that um uh but i'm just i'm just stating things um but I'm willing to listen to somebody who says that I'm doing something wrong, but basically only if it catches my attention. If it doesn't catch my attention, I don't really care. That's the whole thing. I don't. I probably don't listen to most people. There's a lot of people I talk to, and I can't even hear a word that they're saying because they're already uninteresting enough that I'm not going to pay attention to it. Um, like, it's not. This isn't the world where you have to listen to everybody. It's it's probably impossible. Like I'll listen to people that I've never met before to see if there's something interesting. But there's a lot of people that are like I can't. I mean, it's not my fault. I can't hear what you're saying because if you're not saying anything that's attention grabbing, then that's the whole point. And then you're missing the mark of uh, trying to bring yourself up to me or or whatever. Like it's really not on me if I can't hear you when you're talking that's not on me and so i feel like listening is a little bit of a myth like oh you didn't hear what i said that's obviously bullshit that people care like that's just an overreaction that is like society tells you you're supposed to react that way when uh, somebody doesn't listen to you it's like oh you didn't hear me weren't you listening that's not like listening is not uniform like people don't all deserve the same amount of listening that's because there's a lot of people that aren't interesting um, like somebody told me something the other day that I wasn't thinking about that it's like, oh, that's like a correction in the way that I talk that I like, they brought up a point to me, something I said to them. I said, uh, I am about, I was a, like, I was at, I was doing comedy and at, uh, one of the places I, the place I go to the most. And one of the other comedians there was like, I told him I was going to leave, like, I was last on the list, so I was, like, maybe going to leave early and not even do the my set, and I was like, I might leave before my set is done, and I just kind of declared this to some guy that I don't really know, and then he was like, um, he was like, well, why are you, why are you telling me that? I don't know what you mean. I don't know, that was random that you said that and it wasn't necessary. So you just stated this to me because we don't really know each other. But here I am in the business of thinking like I can just declare things about myself as if I'm like important enough that I could, that he would be interested. Like obviously he wouldn't be because we didn't know each other that much, but he was pointing out that it was, that it's unnecessary that I say that and like there's truth to that, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have recognized that or like uh, been listening to a, a, another person just to hear whatever correction they threw my way 
unless uh, he said it in an interesting way, because what caught my attention about it was that he was funny. He said uh, it was funny, and that's why it was interesting to me, and that's why I heard what he said. Uh, because he was like, what are you going to, why are you telling me that? Like, are you about to commit a crime or something? Is there like, you need me to, to corroborate your story? Like, is there, because there would have had to have been a reason he had a good point. Um, I don't know what, I'm probably not being that likable right now. I don't know. I don't know them being that likable, but it's like, uh, it's a solo podcast. So that's not really my control whether or not I'm likable but there's the um there's the like you get engage in sabotage there's the standards of tv and they are very um they're very stringent like recognize what tv does over years and years what they do to f individuals that get a lot of power like if it's Britney Spears or somebody like celebrities across the culture, uh, the TV as a standard, like across NBC, CBS, whatever. I mean, they all kind of work together. And now you see some of, you see uh, how that conspiracy is true more and more as time goes on, since all of them continue to fall under the same political blanket. Um, I mean, like the same, like they kind of get defined all the same way politically, since basically all of those TV channels are dependent on the country's belief in the political system and uh, belief that political leaders are the true leaders and shit like that. Like there, there's a lot of that TV, um, TV depends on that faith. It's like a TV is like a currency and it has uh, encryption that's specific to itself. And that, the, like, encryption in a lot of areas depends on just faith that people have in a thing or belief in something. Like, TV makes all this money because people believe in the power of TV, but TV uh, helps itself out, makes itself more encrypting by holding more things over people. But uh, then, like, uh, like, saying that political leaders are the greatest leaders and they that is brought to you by television or like that whole process so like we like television propagandizes and decides a lot about what leaders are elected but it's like when trump was elected that kind of defeated some of that like that shows that the standard of tv the cartel of tv is losing power but um like Think of what NBC does to the nation by saying that they, that by broadcasting the moon landing, uh, that, that it was on NBC. I guess I don't know what channels it was on. I should have looked that up beforehand or at some point, but like, um, that's, that is kind of the plane at which, that's the plane at which, uh, TV channels exist is like in the clouds, like above everybody. It basically, once they put TVs in everybody's homes, the people that are able to bring those programs to your home, they have a lot of power, like to the point that they're almost hovering above everybody in the clouds the same way as that, the same way as that they bring you the weather and tell you what the weather is going to be like, the same way that they sell you on that they have power over the climate. And um, basically there's like a, cr a climate crisis that a lot of like CNN and MSNBC and ABC News tells you is happening and it's just a greater control that they want to wrest away from the public 
about uh, perception about the weather to continue to sell you in far into the future on uh, fear that you should have about weather and things that you can't see, but like you can't see them because, but uh, there's, there's so much that the people that are able to come up with this technology to send sound and light waves just to your home will be holding over you in terms of what you can't see and what they can see. Like there's a lot of belief that you end up putting into the people who write all the, that actually made it to the place where they're writing these programs or whatever, when that's like, uh, goes to so many people in the culture is like so popular and then um, when regular people don't ha have the intelligence to come up with that to bring that to your home but um, like they're they're in the they're they're basically saying they have power to control the things that are above you but think of what they do when they show you the moon landing and that happens on tv where it's like uh, like 30 years prior to that there wasn't a single TV in anybody's home and now now in 1969 all of a sudden you can just be sitting in your living room and watching watching somebody land on the moon but like TV uh, like if you want to think about cons conspiracies for if they faked the moon landing um, I don't know that they did or not. Nobody really does. But the thing about conspiracies, especially ones that keep coming up, well, the thing about them is just that they keep coming up and that's kind of the nature of it. That's why so many people hate it. Is that like, uh, you can never sit, prove it false. And then there's just these crazies out there who continue to think it's true just because there's no evidence proving otherwise. But it's like, uh, Shit like that never goes away. It'll never go away that the 2020 election was rigged or not because there'll always be people that are like, well, it it was, or like uh, conspiracies have a tendency to not go away, especially the moon landing one. But like, uh, I'd say that there's some truth to that. The longer one lasts is probably the more that there there's some truth behind it. I would say that if you're going to consider moon faking the moon landing conspiracies, you should actually view it as that the uh, um, Americans that fake the moon landing all brought to you by TV um, because that's what's so important about it is that everybody's like, oh, everybody saw it happen. But like, that's also part of the conspiracy is that they have production tools at that point and like Stanley Kubrick might have come in and uh, rigged the production of it to look like a moon landing or like and that's uh, that's the main conspiracy and people don't maybe mention enough the the part of it that it's like broadcast to everybody and like that element of propaganda when the news is constantly propagandizing and making things up but especially in the early stages of television who knows what they were high on in terms of what they what they were learning they could fake about things like uh, and early on in television, people were probably more, probably more under the spell of propaganda than they are today. Definitely, like uh, pointing out falseness in uh, what's brought to you through TV has probably increased over time. But they're like when TV first comes on the market, like when Apple first makes the iPhone, you're not going to, nobody's really questioning Apple at this time. That's because the technology is still pretty brand new. Like nobody's like, Oh, Apple has, or like they have an agenda or there's reasons to say like, this isn't at all. It's cracked up to be or something like, but, uh, 
if you're going to think about moon landing conspiracies, like it's it's probably you would rather consider not that the Americans that fake this were trying to convince Russia that they got to the moon first. They they get enough power just by convincing all of America that they got to the moon, like leave Russia out of it. That part of it isn't even important. Think of the power that's perceived into um, NBC or whoever it was that broadcast it. I'm assuming NBC, uh, if like it might've been multiple channels, I'm guessing NBC brought that to people's homes, but think of the power that they get by uh, saying that they have the ability to show you like, people landing beyond the earth or like how much how much then you have to perceive of their ability like it's almost it's closer to saying that they own the entire earth they're able to bring you things that are completely outside of it when that was impossible completely 30 years prior to that um like but besides that they do hover over every like they do act like they own the entire earth at least that's what they try to sell america on and they they go over all of america and when celebrities come along that their celebrity uh increases so much they become such a big figure that people like them so much they become a rival to legacy media and legacy media goes after them immediately in basically every single case anybody whose star is big enough the media uh, does everything it can to belittle them and write them out of existence or just compromise their stardom or their celebrity and uh, distribute it evenly across TV channels, the standard of television. And like the kind of thing I'm talking about is, um, I think it's, I think it's Diane Sawyer maybe that, or uh, no, well, it's like Barbara Walters, um, most fascinating people of the year. And, uh, like, anything that happens on 2020 or 60 Minutes, they, like, take the biggest news stories and then TV acts as if they own them. The biggest people and then TV comes along and says that they own them, but in a lot of senses they do. And a lot of those celebrities, even though they're really big, like, in whatever field, in in, uh, movies or music, they still are beholden to television because television and, uh, like, NBC and all the news programs and all of the uh, celebrity coverage programs dictate a lot of the perception of all celebrities for a very long time it's less that way now because their power is deteriorating in lieu of better competition and internet better mediums greater diversification of mediums podcasting destroys the standard that used to be with tv but like for a very long time all of the celebrities are beholden to television because television can give them the the thumbs down as if they're the emperor in rome if they don't if they're not nice like if they don't do anything to appeal to tv and there's a certain standard that tv wants you to have like when you go on when people go on David Letterman or Johnny Carson or, or whenever even late night shows to today, when you're a celebrity, you have to appear nice. You have to smile. You have to act congenial because otherwise people will think you're mean and TV will, will, they control the narrative for you for celebrities forever. Like if Britney Spears became such a big celebrity that they had to shit, shit talk her and, um, like act like she's, an idiot in whatever ways that they said that she was or like anytime she makes a mistake or when she hits the 
that paparazzi's car with her umbrella it's her fault and that's the way that all of the media portrays it they totally go after her that's because they're threatened by her as a media as a medium and it's the same with they're doing it to today because they want it to continue to be the case that they are the most over everybody they are the highest and when when people get big enough that they are in a form of media all their own and um they and uh can threaten like big enough to threaten whole tv channels then the the tv cartel goes after them and we're at a point now where people are finally starting to bust through the narrative because uh and in some senses that entails being high enough that you get over you overcome that but um it's like uh so joe rogan they do that like Joe Rogan is media all his own, all his own that's becoming so big he's such a big rival to all of those mediums TV channels like CNN and whoever um, that they are very threatened by his power and they have to collectively talk shit about him um, and there's just like and that's what they do to people they anybody that they're threatened by if it's miley miley cyrus is threatening to them because she's doing uh outlandish things but disney owns a lot in tv too and probably disney doesn't like what she's doing for their reputation by looking really not christian essentially and um so they go after her like they have a lot of power in tv besides who it's all just one cartel but anybody who's but it's like for a very long time because of this control that TV has, uh, anybody, anybody that's like scary, even anybody who seems too much like a lunatic is anybody who's outside of just the standard presented in TV, which is the same standard over and over again across like not just the news channels, but also the sitcoms, like like news anchors on local news and national news and also late night show hosts and sports analysts, anybody, they all have to appear very nice and positive and they can't swear and you can't run positive stories about LSD or, uh, I mean, there's like, you run negative stories about drugs just in general because and it's like uh it's positivity looking good because that appeals to the most people and the most people in the country are christian and it's like uh they have to appeal to christianity basically to all of tv like tv is beholden like every any one celebrity is like beholden to tv because for a very long time because tv tells the country what you're supposed to think about them and also provably the country uh in turn consumes a lot of negative content about the people that tv says uh are negative and but like uh, i'm saying tv is sort of beholden to christ because uh 55 of the world's wealth is owned by christians that's not a that's not a made-up figure that's like all studies that have been done on that in the past 10 years say that same thing if you look up the world and religion page on wikipedia it'll tell you that depending on what faith you have in wikipedia but it is like at some point there like a wikipedia page is sort of a standard but i'm saying like other studies say the same thing 50 and it would make sense it's most it's like 31 percent of the people in the world are christians and 55 percent of the world's wealth is held by christians second place is uh 
like 34.7% for people who claim to not have a religion or for other religions that like aren't big enough. 34.7% of the world's wealth is owned by people without a major religion or without a religion at all. And then uh, in third place is Muslims at 5.8% of the world's religion. And so if you consider that statistic, it's completely staggering. Uh, Judaism come Jews come in at like 1.1% of the world's wealth. And so it's interesting that the narrative often is that Jews control so much of the wealth and have so much of the money when 55% of the world's wealth is owned by Christians. It would appear that that is a myth perpetuated by the 55% uh, group of people that have the most money, maybe have enough money that they can perpetuate myths that they don't have the most of it. But that's an extreme deficit. It's a That's a statistic that's staggering enough that you'd have to say that Christians wrote the book on financial inequality because of how much a deficit they have between them and the next organized religion is about 50%. Um, it's an insane number, but like you're it, like, it's so big that Christ, like Christ has so much money. They have more money than like TV collectively, but, if, but that only makes sense seeing as that the uh, entire world's timeline is also Christ. Like uh, as far as time equals money, you see that Christ is right at the center of that. It, like, of course, the people who own 55% of the world's wealth also control the entire world's perception of time and say that they own that as well, that, that their world operates on one timeline, one standard. And like, coincidentally, the uh, people who own all the wealth also own all the time. But if you look for a, uh, uh, there, like, currency is your idea for the bridge between, like, that time equals money, currency is the function, the tool, the idea that you look to that's right at the heart of that. Currency describes that, like, beyond whatever folklore or uh, what, like, folklore you'd say exists in time equals money, like it being an idiom, you can take a lot of that out of the picture just by considering the idea of currency, which is, which communicates both relevance, uh, time, something that's current, and money at the same time. Like, that's the, that's the function. And so you see it has so much utility because it splits the gap between both of those. Um, and... I'm saying that I'm saying something like about how Christ is the uh, greatest currency on earth. Christ is the greatest currency. He is like the most people, the greatest religion, like the greatest collectivized narrative is a Christian one. But uh, like, and I'd, I'm arguing that it's so much that way to the extent that even all of the narratives presented in TV, they're all defined to Christ, like in the way that they have to be visible. You might disagree with me because it's kind of, uh, it's usually the narrative that TV is really secular, but um, I would say that they're still, they're still beholden to Christ and that accounts for why they have to be nice about everything and um, everybody has to be positive and like when Lady Gaga does an interview with I th with Barbara Walters in around the year 2009 for being one of the year's most interesting people uh, she has to be very nice in that interview she has to come across as nice for the standards of television she's like Barbara Walters asked her if she was ever uh, she experimented with being a lesbian and Lady Gaga's like I 
rather not answer that question. Like, she can't be like, yeah, I'm a crazy girl. She can't be like, yeah, I'm crazy, I'm a lesbian, whatever. Like, uh, she can't really do that because she has to appeal to... She's like, the whole interview, she's below television, and that's the point of programs like that. Like, the most famous people of the year, well, TV will show you that. Or the Oscars winners, the greatest movies of the year, we consolidate all of that into a TV program. But basically, you see that all of those award shows are brought to you by TV, like... That TV is kind of the defining quality across all of those that, like, when we summarize the year, then that's shown to you on TV. Um, but, like, and then TV controls the narrative for every celebrity. So, like, Lady Gaga has to be nice in interviews. She can't say, like, all the wildest shit that she's lived because she wants to continue to be a celebrity. And, uh, like, TV was cancel culture much sooner than the cancel culture that we have today and is a lot more potent a lot tv's cancel culture when they would decide to cancel like charlie sheen because he's a, a outlier and in hollywood culture when they decide to cancel him that's a lot worse for him than any cancel culture that happens today uh by far because of the because power used to be more Power was more concentrated in TV when TV was the standard versus now today when internet is the standard. Power is more distributed across everybody. Um, but like the it's it's a it's a narrative that it's a narrative that um, like the TV narrative is kind of the same one and it's very like if you think about it is very limiting when they're controlling for any outlier celebrity that becomes too big because they're like they're saying that they have to exist within a single narrative does tv like uh they have to exist within the standards of television and it's like the kindness that's in uh the news anchors is the same as the positivity that's in sitcoms like that's it's a very uh unrealistic picture of life especially all that shit that happens on CBS is just like positivity and propaganda. There's a lot of propaganda towards New York City and like this unrealistic view that New York City, uh, that everybody who lives there has a positive relationship to it. Like that's what happens in Friends. Basically, every everybody is very positive about their relationship to New York City in that show. It's the same with How I Met Your Mother. It's like a very positive, like as if only you could only have a positive life if you moved there um but like the the sitcom narratives are kind of always the same like about people's families and this assumption that you're like how i met your mother that you're you as children are really interested in your parents story of how they met each other like bullshit like that like family propagandizing families in the same way that they need like in the same way that their audience is families so that like who if there's disunity of families and uh the way that they treat gay people is very limiting on tv it's always a lot of a lot of like fake positivity uh for um that doesn't really is closed-minded closed-minded like obvious narratives for what the public is supposed to think a gay person looks like basically the only narratives that ever play out on sitcoms or on tv um and 
those narratives are they're very reoccurring it's it's the same like on all sitcoms everywhere they all go to the same places that's like a narrative that's a standard that they give to all americans to show you like this is the way that you live and people do actually live by it because tv has sold a lot of people on the idea that they're above them and so like people think that they should listen to tv in a lot of cases besides that tv uh, does appeal to the masses by presenting the most popular ideas at least at the time but it's like what's the the problem with it is just how much it limits actual human progress and growth when you see that all of it is confined to the same narrative it's like the way that all sitcoms everybody goes to um bars all the time and that that is the drug that's the single drug that tv is willing to promote um like over and over again that's they're promoting a culture of like well you're drinking and like uh the same way that humans have been doing for hundreds of years like it's not really new to uh portray so like to be on the side of drinking but they're like they're basically just going off of stereotypes or like the same way that tv at the end of the day is kind of just one giant disgusting meme like uh like the way that's i would say that cbs is more one giant disgusting meme than other channels they have different they have different flaws like nbc nbc abc fox and cbs they all kind of operate on their own shitty behavior uh, that it's like it looks shittier today when you see that a lot of what they do is just in the aim of controlling the public like CBS is kind of one giant disgusting meme they own Nickelodeon like they uh, Nickelodeon's just like I mean you know how that goes just like when they and they own Nickelodeon Nickelodeon they try to involve in NFL broadcasting but like uh, they try to embarrass they're sports broadcasters in a more, but whatever, I won't get into that because it's too difficult to explain, too difficult to get people on board with that. But I want to make the point that, um, like, the single drug that you're allowed to do is alcohol. And it's been that way. That's that's how they control the public. And, I mean, that's one of the ways that they're controlling the public besides running stories about shit that you can't see and telling you that only to listen to authorities and not think for yourself um because research the research was done that coffee gives you cancer and where did the research come from besides that it's being delivered to you on tv or like all these researchers researches that people probably used to believe more but before uh they before the power of research diluted itself by coming up with a million researches that eventually all just con- contradict each other. Um, but like the research and that you're not a research is one of the things that TV holds over people. Um, but it's like Joe Rogan comes along, he destroys a ton of what he destroys is narratives. Like you can't be an individual and have more power than television stations and like all kinds of narratives, like, like uh that you you can't talk about science and to have a platform no one will believe you like he's talking about science he's talking about aliens and he's none of these he's not an expert in any of these areas like he destroys a lot of those narratives about authority a lot of them are just presented to you by tv but like bill hicks made this point in a comedy special he made in 1992 that he watches 
he was saying he watched the news a lot and they never ran a single positive story about LSD and it's the it's the exact same way today as it was in 1992 they don't run a positive story about LSD but like it, I would say that most of the people that I've encountered that have s- said that they did LSD uh, have positive stories to tell like probably the majority of those stories about LSD are positive but even to today they're not going to run on the news anything besides like somebody took LSD and it screwed up their life like they're not they're not promoting this or that there's other um they're not going to be in the business of saying anything good or maybe of saying anything at all about other drugs because other drugs are also mediums that would compete with the um sheltered standard of television that they're always trying to manipulate and control like there's a lot of threats that they have to Uh, say don't exist or they have to keep people in the dark about a lot of these things that would cause them to think more openly and because they want to they want to continue to have power but they got to tell you like and i would argue that it's a little outdated to rely on alcohol as like a a drug that uh like the main drug it just because that's what everybody's been doing for hundreds of years like you could say it's a mainstay but uh like I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't want to be cynical like I feel like I say what I'm about to say it would probably get on a lot of people's nerves but alcohol is kind of like uh like you go to bars to create stories and create memories and alcohol is a drug the same way smoking pot is a drug they both are a different world that's presented to you because both of those are mediums by which you um you enter a different state of things and more things are possible or like, and people engage in them because of the transcendence of them, both for alcohol and pot. Um, People engage in them a lot because of the transcendence. Like that's why so many people spend so much time drinking because you think about going to a bar, it's like, um, like from the outside observer's perspective, without knowing what alcohol does to people, it wouldn't make, a lot of sense that people spend so much time in a bar over something like a museum or why bars make more money than bowling alleys or something like that when like it's would seeming would seem that you could have just as much fun at other places when when people go to bars all they're doing is buying liquid and just sitting somewhere like there isn't most of the time people are in there they're not doing anything fun unless it's like an arcade like bars make a ton of money without offering anything that's obviously fun but it's because it's because there's transcendence with alcohol like people go and drink so that they can create something better than what they would have been doing if they were just home alone and not drinking you can create something better because you enter into a new world with your friends and uh, people go there to create stories and to create memories and it's like uh, alcohol kind of has this like but I'm saying, look at that, the culture of drinking and bars versus the culture of smoking pot, and that there are different characteristics associated with both of these, like different, these are both different realms of transcendence. But alcohol, I'd say, characteristically speaking, is more, is a little bit more campy, like creating stories, it's kind of romantic, like being at a bar and uh, creating memories and stories is like a little bit... It's a little bit romantic and obviously 
a lot of you have a lot of sex after drinking alcohol there's a lot of sex involved like a lot of there's a lot of like depression involved with drinking there's a lot of like you go to a bar to collectivize stories with people and there's like and that's the transcendent element that maybe people would overlook is just that like creating stories is transcendent and that's why alcohol is so important because everybody wants that everybody wants memories everybody wants more of them um and it's like uh it's it's like romantic like it's a bit more of a theater inside of a bar because of like depression kind of things are involved or like making your story really sad or like becoming an alcoholic and i guess that that's maybe what i'm saying is like people would be upset over stuff like that because it's always the idea that alcoholism isn't your choice or it's like completely genetic actually i saw a commercial recently that was like the myth the the stigma is that it's actually alcoholism you can attribute all of it to your family's history they're saying that the stigma is that people think that that's not the case and i thought that that was like like you could have run that commercial sarcastically and been accurate but it's like they were being serious and i feel like they're completely wrong like the stigma is the opposite i think is that like don't tell people that they don't have any control over the alcoholism you're giving people an excuse to just be like well it's not my fault alcoholism is somewhat up to your control but it's like you can go into that mode of things you can get yourself involved in that world and i think that being a pothead is an equivalent thing it's like it's basically that it's basically like being an alcoholic it's just that in currently today you could uh you could be a pothead and not think that you're being like dramatic or being anything stupid you could you could be a pothead today and think that you're just like of the future or something as if there's something better than better about that than being an alcoholic because this is a more like advanced realm of things but i would say that smoking pot is maybe a little bit more advanced than drinking because the stories are relatively more transcendent but that comes through in just the characteristics of the world of smoking pot is this perceived connection to aliens or outer space or something that actually a lot of that is probably overblown because smoking pot isn't going to get you into outer space but people sort of think that it does or something but you're it's like uh, i'd say that it's relatively more advanced world than drinking because the stories involved are uh, ones that dictate something higher up or like they uh, like uh, what you would receive from 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 smoking pot and uh with people is like i'd say it's more advanced but that's why it maybe takes longer to reach the most the masses the most people but like in drinking is a bit more out of date it's a little bit more old timey uh than smoking is but i would say that smoking pot there is probably a time that comes up later on where you could say the same thing about smoking pot that i'm saying about alcohol that you would be like the stories involved with pot are actually kind of old-timey or romantic like and they're not not necessarily based in truth but like based in you collectivizing a story with your friends but like any one of those is any one of those drugs is a medium that you can uh you can use for like transcendence and like especially really especially drugs that offer something completely different than the world we live in and especially a world that has all these standards 
from television about like how you're supposed to look and sound and act because even if you as an individual made it to a huge level of celebrity for a very long time you still wouldn't you still have to it still all exists within the standards of television within the the world that they're all like hovering over but like basically Christ goes even higher than television and is Christ is hovering over everybody's lives for ever since he came here but that's the whole thing is that that's the whole idea is that he didn't die and so that's why when somebody dies and then their gravestone says like well they live from 1894 to 1941 all of those years are in those are all in jesus years as if jesus is a currency like as far as you defining those years they're all traded in jesus jesus has the most years because every single one of them are defined to him but it is that way that like uh 1894 to whatever years i said 1941 1945 those years are all uh all contained within jesus's timeline they're all they're all on jesus's time like the um those are all in jesus years but that's because he because you'd be like it's not currently jesus's lifespan so how could that be true but the whole thing is that he didn't die and so it's like he's still alive but they're the people the group of people in the world that have the most money are have successfully to this point sold the world on well if you believe that he's still alive which is the same as saying the year currently is 2021 after Christ because he's still alive. This, that's the that's the point. But that's the there's a lot of power of encryption in. Uh, 55% of the world's wealth is able to convince the entire world to believe that Jesus is still alive. Is current is the world that we're living in. Um, truthfully, but like the I'm saying that drinking is a little bit campy like going to a bar and like it has its limits there because of um like there's a lot of you go to a bar and like somebody who is recently divorced is there and you and he'll be like you drink shots with me i just got a divorce like somebody's always it's always like someone's sad story that's getting people to drink more shots or like drinking to get over their depression as if alcohol is the cure or like that's that is what you have to go to like that kind of it just stems from the relationship to alcohol that people have the characteristics that are generated off of it like having stories or like making it more sad than it is like and it is that sad at the point that you are blaming alcohol you know like that shit becomes real when you go and do that and you're like uh because of the way that you're able to outsource the blame to alcohol rather than put it on yourself or like and the way that people are able to use alcohol as the medium or the excuse by which they exempt themselves or like um I don't know. It makes it more, um, maybe it makes it more real to you or I mean, whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know what, why alcohol is so good, but people fucking love it for hundreds and hundreds of years because probably because it makes things more real or something, probably because you can use it to make your story more real because you're literally engaging in the medium of it yourself. Like it's going into your body, like, uh, becomes the things that you're projecting onto it to take away the blame from be like they're going 
it's inside of you or like i mean it's like completely part of what you're doing like you're totally engaging in that experience of your story more so when but maybe maybe but like uh they tv's not gonna tv's not gonna be cool towards so i don't know what i'm saying about like i'm saying jesus is like such a good currency it's like the best currency ever Jesus is, Christ is the best currency. And so what's weird is that it, that's actually just based on one guy. And there's not other, no other currencies are like that. But the best currency, the one that makes the most money is actually just based on one guy. And that's almost like what uh, Elon Musk gets into the territory of by saying that this currency is based on him. Like maybe that's a reason to say that that's actually more successful to operate. Uh, of a, of a currency when you can tie it to just belief in one guy it's like that's because of people's belief in jesus is why that ends up making so much money and i'm not saying that like obviously as a christian it doesn't mean that you would make money and there's sects of christianity like baptists i think don't make a ton of money and like uh there's sects of christianity that don't make a lot of it but Statistically speaking, if you're a Christian, you have more money. It, the title offers you protections. It's like the greatest cartel in the entire world, and they, nobody even points to that they have the most power by far. And um, like, but it's not. Uh, it's just so it's so ubiquitous that like you couldn't even you couldn't even mention that it was a thing. But I, I, I'm making that point that like you can't um, like if you're Robin Williams that. TV is going to come along and needle you until you break or something like they're going to have you on late night shows and be like, oh, this guy's very funny, like interviewing you as what you're perceived to be all under the assumption that TV has more power than all of these individuals. But like I'm talking about competition comparison across different individuals that exists where somebody gets a lot of power and then they're competing with everybody else and it's really just a competition of like who's the highest almost in terms of like globally who do we perceive to have expanded themselves so much like increased their celebrity so much that they're like uh presumably over the entire globe like the whole thing is just a competition of who's the highest and that's partially why pot is such an emerging medium it involves getting higher than other people to see more things or have more information in and of yourself. And like, uh, competitors like this to TV have always have been a problem for a very long time, but they're not going to, um, so now I must be wrapping up the discussion because I feel like I made all the points, but I don't like, uh, I claim credit for all of that. What I just said, I claim credit for it. I'm sorry for how bleak this maybe sounds. I'm sorry that I'm nihilistic. But sorry, not sorry. I don't know. Not, not that sorry. I'm not that sorry or else I wouldn't be making it. Like, it's it's just that... Um, it's just interesting to think of the, the narratives. Like, like, that Joe Rogan destroys... That's what he destroys is a lot of narratives. It's like he gets power just by stomping on narratives and in some senses siphoning off some perceived power from those narratives that used to exist where it's like he kind of collects them by beating the game in some areas. Like 
but TV often TV has this narrative, this picture for you, like this standard that you're supposed to follow, and they're they're over everybody, especially when they make examples out of celebrities. That it's just that's like propaganda to show you the like that the government, like it's a dictatorship, like that they have so much power that they're gonna they're gonna shit you out of existence if you cross them or like don't. But um, like the the narrative but do you um that's something that you could potentially believe it's just that that you control your own narrative and like that's something that i don't know that i want to get into in my own life for like believing that you believe um that you can you create like the idea that you can create your own existence or that you could do anything you're just telling yourself that you can't when you aren't and it's always sunny in Philadelphia will tell you like you're actually just engaging in narcissism that you would try to do things that you're unable to do because there is that out there people are constantly trying to do things that they're completely unequipped to do just like what a naturally an individual can do like uh people are often not seeing their own flaws and seeing that that flaw would completely prevent them from ever accomplishing like being a doctor or whatever because there's people that can't be doctors and shit like that but then narcissists try to do it even though they don't have the tools or they think that they could just accomplish anything they set their mind to um because so you want to be wary about that it's just that that's what i'm bringing up to you is the uh, counter argument to that that you could because that idea also exists and there's philosophers that say that that you create your own world it's just that we like society is convince people so much that they can't do that that they're not even like uh it's not open-minded enough a world that we are encouraging people to try to do the thing that they're trying to do or like what's on their mind to do and we emphasize people's failures too much so that we try to make it, your flaws or failures what you are or, or like it, i mean the world just is relatively discouraging enough that you could say that it's the world's discouragement that causes people to not think that they could create their own thing but i'm, I'm saying like i'm just talking about a narrative that you follow your own um you follow if you follow your own narrative and where does that lead you and um like i don't know i was thinking of i was thinking of more interesting things about it earlier like i can't really remember now it's just uh if you do that if you really you could follow your narrative to the nth degree to the farthest degree and that would involve a lot of like whatever comes to mind to do you do it and then try it out to see if you fail at it or not and uh, most people don't even try a lot of things, but like a narrative and then do you uh, like, I don't know. I just wanna like, I wanna make a cryptocurrency, but I don't, can't do that. I can't make computer code, but if you did it, if you tried long enough, then maybe you figure it out for anything that you tried to do but 
if you follow a narrative, you follow your narrative long enough, what you're going to end up doing probably is destroying other narratives that exist because depending on how much power and money you're able to draw toward your own narrative, you suck some of that away from other narratives. Um, because a lot of it is the, there's so much that's important about the narrative, like that you go to a bar to, so that the people there, your friends have this same narrative. That's the memory that you create. You create a shared memory. It's like people do a lot of the shit they do in the name of having more narratives, like a greater variety or just more narrative itself. Like more to say like that you go out and do something at all with friends as opposed to just sitting at home or make a podcast or anything like, um, there's so much that people do just in the name of collecting narratives and um like because that's what they're like but besides that it's like narratives are over people like you have to engage in the transcendent in order to get more of it um but people do that with christ and or like people are so afraid of narratives that they just in a lot of cases they're all part of a giant religion they just have the same they're like well we always will be able to hold on to this because of the because so many people believe it and we will always have this narrative like people are afraid of narratives that they don't want to they're too afraid to move off of collectivized ones and then if you're more secular you're getting into the area of using drugs to enhance your individual narratives but um individual narration is you like you see that that is so maligned when you look at what tv does to individuals that tv doesn't like like donald trump or anything um or at least yeah like you see that they all go after them or or like um and that's just that they individual narration heavily competes with them but now i'm saying that they're beholden to christ and that's the greatest individual narrative so now i'm being contradictory um at least seemingly, but all of it, all of it, I'm just like, momentarily you are wrong about anything. Momentary, any moment, any statement you say is wrong to somebody. And then you like, you maybe are given more time to explain yourself and then maybe you're right. Or like being wrong has a lot to do with you saying, yeah, I was wrong, but it's like, it's not that great to be right. So it's pr pretty easy to just concede that you're wrong in like in reality it's just like don't make everything about the law but like um the i'm i guess i'm saying let me work out what that what i'm saying it's like i mean tv kind of makes itself all an individual narrative but like everybody kind of has to compete with christ in terms of individual narration but like christ has so much power that his narrative as an individual is able to control whatever happens on TV. I mean, I said the, said the things that I said, so. Um, so, talk to you all l l l later. See ya.